You're listening to The Photography Show. This is episode number five for August 22nd, 2010, The Retake. Then we'll have a lot more competition. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> no, no, they'd have to get off their lazy butts and go do it. That's right. They've got to stop listening to podcasts and start, like, rocking, <laughs> you know. They've got to turn up the rock. Turn or, up the rock. Or as Jack Black calls it, the rocket sauce, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we have listeners now on our podcast. How many are we up to? Well, I, it's hard to say specifically. iTunes does not keep stats for you, which is uh-huh. a little on the bogus side. But um, but the feed burner tells me that, uh, and it fluctuates depending on how many people are actually subscribed. But it says we have about a hundred, which is uh, awesome, pretty damn cool. Yeah, that's very cool. We've only Give done four shows, you know. And as far as I'm concerned, one is better than nothing. So. Yeah, we've really, really only done three shows with me in them, and then one with you, which That's was right. a half show. But it was yeah, a half-ass show. Half, I mean, uh, 100 followers already, that's pretty good. I kind of can see, because of the tweet, new, new tw- uh, Twitter friends I get yes. that are not people I know. Well, you were and gone so, last week, and I plugged us on the Twitter. I know, yeah, and then I started getting a lot of uh, Twitter hits. I hate to so, make this a commercial already, but we could, we could, we could pimp the Twitter here. Let's pimp it. So if you want to follow Wade, he's at Wade Griffith. And you want his tweets because they're all like little gems of the little rays of sunshine that come into your life at various points I, in the day. I tweet and Facebook and everything a lot about um, photography, mostly. Mostly. It's not a lot of I'm on the toilet now and that kind of thing. <laughs> I had cereal a minute ago. I'm and, live from this restaurant. Well, or and, anything and, like that. and my Twitter handle is at Ted Forbes. So. Yeah. Follow us on the Twitter. It's important. Now we make, you, it e- we make it easy. It's just our name. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Not Flyboy One Seventeen B to delineate you from all the other Flyboys that are. Are you sure I'm Wade Griffith? I'm not fixed image. I'm pretty sure you're at Wade Griffith, dude. Okay. Yeah. You need to know your Twitter handle. I, know I do. I need to get on this stuff. <laughs> do you follow gonna, yourself on Twitter? I'm going to be professional. <laughs> Are you sure I'm not Gorilla Monkey? <laughs> you might be. I don't know. So, so today we're going to talk about, well, actually, what our listeners probably don't know is that we had a technical glitch, and we actually have talked about this and lost half of the recording. Which the half? It was Wade's half. Yes. Yeah. So I could have like mixed it down, and you could have heard like my side of the conversation the whole time. <laughs> and I thought about at one point going back through and trying to be you. That would have been really <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> and I, could, and we, you, could you fake this accent and we would have, go back and forth with it? Well, and we would have had 100 listeners and now have zero. <laughs> I think that's what the deal would have That been. was the weirdest <laughs> podcast ever. It was. It was a good podcast. It was probably the best podcast ever, and no one will ever know that now. It could have been a podcast on multiple personalities. <laughs> Yours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the subject that we talked about was uh, was was various avenues of well, more or less niche photography that you can get into. And right. you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, you know, especially when they start out, and you know, mainly we're talking about vocationally. But I mean, certainly people who do this as a hobby or, or for fun end up kind of specializing at some point. And I think it's important when you start out to do as many different things as you possibly can. But at some point, you know, saying I'm a photographer, well. You know, somebody who does corporate annual reports does probably not do senior high school portraits. You know, it's just two different niches and 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 two different ways of going about it. You know, and and we actually have had this kind. This this is the deja vu episode because we've had this conversation before. I feel like we have. 
But this time it's actually being recorded. <laughs> yeah, I hope. My side of it. <laughs> we got backup today, so just in case. we're, <laughs> we're uh, If the backup fails, then, then we're rethinking everything. But anyway, uh, but we had talked about, you know, uh, some various types. I mean, obviously the, the ones I think... The, the most high profile that people know about are, for instance, like wedding photography, you know, somebody who specializes in doing weddings. Or I think a lot of times a niche that, you know, somebody might do weddings, but they might also do, uh, you know, the senior portrait thing is, is, is an easy one, too. And I think those are, for most people, and I'm not trying to belittle those at all, but those are, are more obvious ones to get into because it's obvious to see what the customer base is. It would be people who are getting married, and you want to network with wedding planners and people like that that could get you into that industry. Right, and portrait photography is just huge in general. There's a huge demand for it, yeah. and and people um, like seeing pictures of people, and they like taking pictures of people. So when you when you first get into as a hobbyist shooting people, um, you're shooting everything in the world, and it's usually like your family, friends, and those type of things, and then it leads into children and families and seniors and weddings. Because no matter what kind of photography you do, uh, you're going to have somebody ask you if, if they, you know, I, I don't care if you only shoot cats. Right. They're going to ask you if you can take a picture of them or their family or their kids or their wedding. Um, especially even if you're just starting out or a hobbyist, uh, people might ask you to shoot a wedding just because they're on a tight budget or whatever. So it can lead to it can lead to those you know avenues. Yeah, you know, and I think it's also worth noting up front too because there's another thread that kind of go- actually it's fun to retake this because I didn't think of this earlier when we did it the last time, but but there's a thread that goes you know with all these things, and I'm speaking mainly vocationally. If you want to make photography your living, you know, a couple of years ago when stock photography became so proliferated, I, I think that's the one thing that you're fighting against because it's cheaper than than doing custom shots it's, they've already been done it's instant but what's interesting is there's a large amount of things that you cannot buy stock photography for oh i guess you could it would be weird though to do a stock photo album of your wedding to send you a friend. <laughs> You're actually not in any of these pictures, and it's a different bride and groom every time. Thanks to Corbus, Mr. and Mrs. Corbus, <laughs> Paul Getty. But somebody and, should do that just for kicks. That would is, be funny. Forget the wedding photographer and then just get online like some cheap thing like stockphoto.com or whatever, just all royalty-free stuff, and just fill up a whole wedding album and send that out to your family. Have different brides and grooms. It would look like the perfect wedding. With lots of people in it. <laughs> he was blonde a minute ago, but what happened? But, you know, but it, it does make sense because, you know, if you're looking at this in a professional sense, you know, in terms of clientele and things like that, or even, you know, if you're looking at it just as, well, I think it's different. If you're doing just photography for fun, stock photography is not a concern of yours because it's not a competition. But, you know, things like, obviously, like you said, portraits, any any kind of thing of people or animals or pets or whatever, that that's an obvious that you can't get stock for. I think corporate portraits are another big one. You know, corporations love to have their CEO and their senior staff shot for various publications, right. and they can't go get stock photos for that. And they like to update them once a year or however often, you know. And you've, no, you've and, done and a lot of companies, you know, will use stock photography sometimes if it's a large corporation they'll uh, they'll ask you to go online if you're a designer and, and and pick out some stock photography of a bunch of people around a table meeting or in the lobby all looking happy or on the stairs or whatever and, and, that's, and, and that can be fine and dandy but at the same time if you're using a, a lot of these royalty free images that are out there 
um, and all these other companies in the world are using the same images, uh, it's you're bound, especially if you're a designer or, or anybody who's in that kind of industry, you're bound to see the same two photographs every once in a while on different sites. And I think yeah. that can lower your level of uh, the perception of how professional you are. So uh, you know really that's that's a huge problem yeah. too because I've had it where a client, you know, we've done that with stuff, and I, as a rule, I don't want to do stock photography with clients when I do design jobs, but right. uh, for obvious reasons. But yeah, then they'll see it somewhere, and then they, right. well, how did you not vet this? And it's like you don't understand. You didn't buy unlimited rights to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's you know, or if they do, that's very expensive, so they usually don't want to. And and if you if you go that route, rights managed, you might as well do a photo shoot if you can. Yeah, it's going to be the same price. Thousand dollars for a fo- for a photograph. Why not pay a thousand dollars for a photo shoot where you're probably going to get multiple photographs? Get something you will never see and, anywhere. That, and something you know. totally original, right? And I, and I work with a lot of law firms and different uh, professional organizations here in town that I take portraits for. And I, I think it's great that they're always taking group shots of themselves, the actual people that work there, right. and, and headshots and things. That you know, actually, when you're doing head, has to be you. So yeah, you're right there. I mean, you have to have a picture of that person, not Scooby Doo or something. <laughs> Uh, Scooby Doo didn't make a hitch. But, you know, I, I, on the lines of stock weight, I think I could die tomorrow, and if I never saw, well, that wait, that didn't make any sense. I could die if I never saw another photo of the guys shaking hands with the briefcases. Right, uh, you ridiculous. Know, it, it, they might and as well be the stock, same photo amongst stock models. There's a lot of like I recognize certain oh, men yeah. and women out there in stock photography that must do it a lot oh, yeah. for a lot of different um, agencies, or or the pictures have been sold around to a lot of different agencies. Because I'm like, well, there's that stock girl. That yeah, I've she seen was them. she was in a hospital bed in the last photo I saw. I'm glad she's doing well. <laughs> you know, th- there but is not a to um, talk stock altogether. Stock is a whole different uh, stock is something that you could just be a stock. Ph- I've seen uh, stock photographers online that make millions of dollars a year just shooting stock. Now that's not something I could probably personally do because of the uh, the routine over and over again every day, sure. the monotony of that. But these guys seem to love it, and they make a trillion dollars. Uh, not a trillion. That's me exaggerating. Well, but they, they, they do very well, though. There's something yes. to be said for that, you know. Yeah, and so that that is something you could definitely go into. And there's something just to be said for stock in in general. I shoot. I don't really focus on stock, but uh, stock is always something that when I do travel, when I am just shooting for myself artistically and this and that or whatever, I will go ahead and submit images that I think Getty. Uh, or wh- whatever stock agency you might be submitting images to might like, and uh, you know, so far in my career, which has only been a couple of years professionally, uh, Getty has picked up forty of my images, That's and not I'll bad, be man. Every once in a while be cut a check out of nowhere um, because different publications, even the New Yorker picked up or, or New York Magazine, I'm sorry, picked up one of my images and printed it as a two-page spread. That's awesome. And I was like, you know, that would have never happened for me had it not been. Uh, for for you know stock agency like Getty really that would have been very hard for me to ever sell to a big agency like that. Well, you know, and it, it's funny that you said that. it's it's a less obvious niche, you know, because we're talking about these niches today. But man, doing being a stock photographer is not a bad, you know, because you you think of it this way: those are images you already took. You didn't have to do anything to make you know the couple hundred bucks or whatever that somebody's paying you to do it, right. and you could sell them again. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, that that's not a bad way to make a living, really. Or at no, least have I mean, extra they, can, money. they can sit on your site, and you can wait for you know five years for somebody to come along and ask you if 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 that image is for sale. Sure. Or can sit on Getty site, and where it's always up and available for sale, and you know hundreds, if not thousands, of people are looking at it all the time when they're doing searches and coming across it, and um, you know. Yeah. Buying either royalty free or some of my images are rights managed, where you know, you're getting a lot more money for that. So, of course, uh, stock agencies take a big chunk of what you're oh, selling. Yeah. But, 
my whole thing is, um, and so people won't do it for that reason. Well, I'm not going to give somebody 30-40% of my picture. Well, your picture may never sell then, and I'd be you know, more likely to give them 30 or 40% for it to sell multiple times and me to make something off of it than did nothing so yeah um that's my take on it you know and it's interesting because a few years ago that was uh well a few probably more like 10 or 12 now but uh, you know i remember when getty and corbis started becoming very active and that became you know a real issue for artists that used to deal their own stock uh because Mm -hmm. the the cut they take out of it but you know it's interesting because uh it and I used to be on that side where, but you know, you can sit around and complain about it a lot, or right. you can change with the business. And unfortunately, you don't have a choice. If you don't change with the way business is being done, you're just gonna be out of work, and you you, you can't compete with with Corbett and Getty. How, however, though, Corbett and Getty both they they do a lot of advertising. I mean, they do work. They they make sure your stuff's seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's of course debatable about you know the cut that they're taking off of that, whether that's fair or not. But uh, right. but you can probably do it. not fair. But if it's right. stock photos that you've already done, uh, you know, that you own the rights to, uh, you know, and I think if you're trying to do it for a living, that's a, a, a greater hill to climb to work into just exclusively being a stock guy. Uh, right. It could be done, but uh, it just depends on, you know, you and your interests and things From like that. From my experience, I've only had like two phone calls uh, since I started my business where either uh, um, a collector called me and said, just... Your image. Well, I've had several people call about that kind of thing. Right. But I've only had a few, a handful of calls where people have said, "Can I purchase some of your images as stock photography?" Um, so, so that's been very rare. But as as long as I've been on Getty, I've I've had, and I'm not even having to deal with it. All I get at, at the end of the month is a check in the bank. Right. And I haven't had to do anything. And so that's been very cool. And, that's and, that's worth and it. And my right images there. have been sold now hundreds of times. And I've been in several. You know, I'll I'll get my statements in, and it'll tell me. You know, that this image was in New New York Magazine, or this image was in this magazine, or that. And also, I'll look those up, then, and I'll see my stuff online. I'll be like, wow, I could have really probably never done that myself. Yeah. I mean, and and it was done that way. So that that's the cool thing about it, is that money's kind of coming out of nowhere. And and you're getting your stuff in, in in publications that you wouldn't have gotten them in. Well, there's a value for what they do for you, you know. Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, it's interesting too because I think a lot of the the people that will email me cold off my website are usually people that don't have a budget and they're asking for permission if they can just use something for free. Right. Yep. Which you know, I always tend to, you know, this is another arguable uh, thing, but I tend to uh, just as long as they will put a credit on it, that's fine. I'd rather my stuff sure. get seen than not. And right. uh, I don't know if it's led to any work or not specifically that I'm. Aware aware of anyway but um well i kind of judge that too by who can pay for something and who can't uh, if, yeah. a college, if a high school student hits me up if if a college student hits me up and, and they're wanting to use them for projects right uh, of course i'm going to give you i'm going to let you probably use that image don't use it without me uh without contacting me first but if you contact me uh, you know i'll probably usually be nice enough to let you do that uh, just as you do and then any kind of like uh i don't know anybody that would have a hard time affording to be able to buy the photograph or just is using it for a good purpose or something like that or even for their for like a blog i get you we probably both get a lot of blog stuff where people sure. ask if they can just put their photo our photo on their blog that's fine yeah that's an, of course now if a company calls me and they're going to use it for any kind of commercial purpose and they're trying to talk me into uh, wade you know you're gonna get a lot of exposure by us putting a photo credit on here then usually i'm not gonna if they can you know, afford to pay for it i'm i'm not gonna probably give away my f- 
photo for free because no, 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 th- no. in that case I feel like it probably hurts our industry. No, I'm uh, glad you mentioned that too because when I made that comment a minute ago, I, the, the, I was referring to the people who have contacted me and generally speaking they are um, you know, in the former category we're talking about. I'll give you a good lesson learned on that and, and this is kind of what made me change my mind permanently on this but i got a call it wasn't for a photo actually but it was my for my other podcast for the art of photography i got a call from an ad agency oh about a year and a half ago i think it was at the time when microsoft were they i don't think they ever opened any more than one store but they were opening a microsoft store so it was gonna be like the apple store and it was in scottsdale arizona and i got a call from the ad agency that was uh that was doing the interiors and the you know paneling and the all the motion graphics and all that how's that store coming along uh, <laughs> I think it's gone. <laughs> but I anyway, seen. so they they contacted me and they said, you know, the guy was really nice. He was gung ho over the phone. He was the the project manager. And he said, you know, what we're doing is we're going to have over by the Zunes. Uh, we're going to have this big video wall, and it's going to have all this cool stuff on it. And we want to talk about podcasts. We want to talk about this. We want to talk about that. all the cool things you could do, entertainment, multimedia on the Zune. He said, I want to feature your podcast, The Art of Photography. And I said, okay. And he said, okay. Now, you know, and they they sent the paperwork. Their lawyer sent me the NDA agreement and all that, and which basically, if you don't know what that is, it's a non-disclosure, so you cannot talk about it to anybody. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a friend who was a lawyer look at it and just to make sure that it was reasonable. Anyway, it's all good. And then I said, well, what's your budget for this? And he, oh, well, oh, we're, we're really... And then all of a sudden, I get the we're poor and impoverished talk. And oh, you know yeah, they're Microsoft, not. definitely. They're in the dumps. Well, and this ad agency is ginormous, too. And I, oh, I, the ad agency, yeah, yes. Yeah, and it's just like, come on. And so, anyway, at the time, though, I was thinking, well, this could be big, and I wanted some exposure for that podcast, which right. I don't make any money on. And I thought, well, all right, I'll let them do it this one time. So we signed an agreement. I was allowed to do it. And I asked that, you know, I'd be credited. On, oh, of course, of course. And I said, you don't need to make the type so big. I understand from a design perspective, but I just want something that's on there. Okay, fine. Not only did I never hear from again, I asked if I could just get a photo of what it looked like in there. I mean, it was just like fly by night. They could have afforded it, and I didn't get anything out of that. And oh, man. quite honestly, I look back at it, and I'm like, you know, I. I wouldn't do that today. So anyway, at that point, I kind of thought about it. And like you just said, I consciously made the decision that if it's if it's somebody that can certainly come up with a budget and afford to, and they just don't want to, or, mm-hmm. and I know how it is when you're, when you're working for a company and you have a budget for a job, sometimes there's something that's really expensive. So you're trying to see what you can get for free or for cheap on the other end. But I mean, come on, folks, you need to pay for it. They called me, so I probably could have talked them into it, but I didn't. Yeah. So. Well, you know, you took a risk there, and they could have been really cool and, and given you the credit like you asked for, and maybe they did. And maybe you they did, yeah. You never got to see any evidence of it, and then you never got to see a whole lot coming back from that. I mean, yeah, sometimes you take risks, but usually, you know, if a company isn't that's that big of an agency or, or Microsoft itself or whatever isn't willing to pay you for something, what is that really saying? I mean, that's, you know, I, I don't understand that at all. They want you to, to give a lot on your end, but they're not really, really willing to to do anything on their end so well, already you're kind of in a bad relationship right there it, you know? it is and unfortunately that that's more common than i'd like to see it and you know we're in a bad economy right now i understand that and companies are having trouble everybody's cutting corners budgets are cut blah 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 blah. blah. crimea mm-hmm. river i still have to do the work and actually in that case they wanted podcasts i'd already done i wasn't creating anything new for them but i still had i mean we're talking about hd video so i had to like get the files ready for them i had to prep them i had to do some color adjustments for because they there were was a web work thing. involved Sure. A little bit, yeah, and you know it should have been something, you know, not rather than nothing, but, but yeah, and I see that more and more, and and you know a lot of times a company will go out and they'll have to put a big project together, and they have this egg of budget, and that's got to be divided up under you know third 
party vendors and assets and things like that. And so mm-hmm. they're just trying to keep it all low in case something gets out of hand. And I totally understand that. But it's, but like you said, you've, you know, I just don't know what the thinking behind that is. That it's not like you were going to ask for a million dollars. No, you were going to ask for some kind of fee that would have been very reasonable and they could have afforded easily. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that that's the whole thing. And I think it really comes down to that. And I would, I think we both would say to, to, to listeners, if it's non-corporate and it's that you feel good about with people in school, with things that are of that subject, bloggers, things like that. Sure. Let them use your images. That's great. You know, be a part of the community. That's cool. or a nonprofit if, or a charity cause exactly, that does have exactly. a budget. Yeah, uh, sure. That's, yeah, that's all awesome. If it's corporate and they could they could afford, you know, that they probably could afford to pay you something for it or or whatever. Then let them pay you something for it, or don't let them use it because not only is that hurting you. It's hurting the industry because if they can keep getting everything for free, they yeah. will. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, and it why. already has hurt the industry because there are people who will do it for free. And let me tell you this. If you're, if you're trying to go into business as a photographer, you don't want to be known as the free guy. And if you do free work, you will be known no. as the free guy. It'll be so hard to make a living, and you'll be out of it in a year anyway. Right. Um, you know, another thing, too, I mentioned the nonprofit deal. Um, and I've done this before, and I think a lot of people don't understand that they can do this. But if you're working for a charity cause or a nonprofit, you can, uh, what you end up doing is donating your work. And so you can basically, and you would have to work this out with the individual institution, but I did some stuff for Preservation Dallas one time, and I've done other things that, okay, we're, I'm going to donate this dollar value of work to you, and you establish what that is. And basically, they're not going to pay you that, but you can say, this would have cost me $2,000 or whatever, and you're able to use that as a tax deduction as a donation to that nonprofit. Now, it has to be a charity nonprofit um and there are legalities around this, so definitely look it up. Right. But it's worth talking to a nonprofit about. That way, you've done the work, and then you can actually uh, get something out of it with the IRS, at least. Um, oh, sure. And it's just like people have probably experienced this when they've donated clothes um, yeah. before or anything like that. They'll How they'll write you out a receipt right there. They'll do a quick estimate of how many clothes you've given the Salvation Army or whatever. And right. they'll say, okay, all this was worth about $250. And then you take that in when you do your taxes. And that's, you know, it's, it's, it's as good as... Uh, you know, is is what you're talking about right yeah, it's there. The same the company thing. will do the same thing. They'll cut you a form which will say your your photography and help was worth two thousand dollars to us, and that's that's you know deduction on your taxes. That's a big deduction. And yeah, it's, that's, it's that's, a service instead of a product, but it's the same difference in terms that's of, right. of yeah. its value. So, so it makes every, everybody wins on that. You know, you still. Yeah, $2, now, you, you can't finagle that with good. Microsoft or an ad agency. <laughs> Those are not charitable no. institutions, right? But yeah, but yeah, any kind of nonprofit organization, such as a, a churches or even arts organizations or anything like that, that are nonprofit, you can you can definitely work with. And, oh, absolutely, and that's, that's as good as being paid a lot. Yeah, and they're totally good so. with having you do that, you know, and it, it kind of makes it it yeah. makes it official. And, you know, the, I can't remember where I learned this, but um, it helps, too. Even if you are in a position where you're going to donate your work, send an invoice. And what I'll do, like, so let's say I'm just doing a favor for somebody, because sometimes that'll happen sometimes. And, and maybe it's somebody that's either somebody that I know professionally or it's a friend or something like that. Sometimes it's a good idea, and, and if it's a close friend, I won't do it. But um, but even if it's somebody you know, go ahead and send them an invoice and say, I'm not charging you, but I'm keeping record of the value of my time. That way they at least see that this is not free guy. He did mm-hmm. me a favor, and it was worth this. And that, that can be beneficial, too. Um, right. You know, just yeah, the one sure other thing know. while we were on this subject that I wanted to cover what, that I've been burned on uh, just one or two times while I've been in business, but I'll never be burned on it again is um, 
giving away all the rights of your photography to anyone Ouch, for, yes. for what you would just normally be charging them for a project anyway. One time, and I'm not going to mention any names or whatever, and I'm sure this has happened to a million people, but I did a wedding with a guy. He was going to be the uh, main shooter, and I was going to be the second shooter. I shot the, uh, and he said, you know, once this wedding is over, um, I'll, I'll give you all the pictures to use in your portfolio as well and everything. And that's kind of all I wanted to do anyway, because right. I was doing it for a measly $500 to be the second shooter all day on a, on a photo shoot Ugh. that went, uh, weddings go all day. It was from first thing in the morning till two in the morning Jeez. by the time I got home for $500. So really all I want to do is use the pictures. Um, Afterwards, um, I got home and I edited some of the pictures. And I kind of made the mistake of throwing some up on Flickr and stuff, which probably wasn't a, a great idea or whatever. But he quickly called me and was very angry and said, will you please take those photos down that you took from Flickr? I want to wait until the client sees them and all that. And I said, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. Sure. Well, right, right after that, he sent me a contract uh, that he wanted me to sign saying, Wade, this, you know, this contract is a... I can't remember what they, what they call it, but um, work for hire or something like that. Work for hire, yeah. that's the word right there. Do not do that. Yeah, work uh, for hire just makes it sound like they're hiring you to do work. It's more than that, right? And and I quickly read through the contract, and it pretty much just said that he owned all the photographs, and it said in there also that I would have the right still to po- post the photographs and stuff like that. And I said that's fine. I do not want to hurt this guy's feelings. I do not want to make this into some kind of thing. It's not. Right. Um, I signed the contract, sent it back to him. After that, I heard from him no more. Hmm. So I finally contacted him about a month later and said, hey, buddy, you know, I, I'd like to be able to post the photographs and stuff. And at that point, we got into a war because he didn't uh, want to really. He was very angry that I had ever posted the photographs at all. And we'd gone now from like a friendship to this bad, bad scenario. Yeah. Uh, it finally ended up where I just kind of gave up on it altogether. The pictures weren't worth it that much to me to fight about it this much and everything. Right. It obviously was worth it a lot to him. But I had felt like he had kind of stolen the photos that I had taken all day. I'd only gotten paid $500. Absolutely, and, uh, yeah. Whatever, but he said, you know, you knew that you were only getting paid $500. You signed the contract. So, you know, whatever. I said, fine. I've, I've lived and learned from yeah. this, and I will never do a work for hire again. And I, that is something that before you get burned on something like that, whether you're doing it for a wedding photographer or any kind of photographer, um, don't, don't give away all your photographs. Read the contracts and make sure you know what you're getting into. And uh, you work hard for that stuff, and nobody else should get to claim all that work as their own and not give you any credit or even allow you to be able to I'm not I haven't been allowed and he didn't live up to him as the end of the bargain by right. letting me uh, be able to post any of the, the photos from that wedding so but you know what I was I mean if I didn't learn that then I may have learned it much later on at a much higher dollar price or something so I'm glad I learned it with a $500 gig that only lasted one day yeah, and by the way, work for hire generally, <clears throat> that's pretty standard when you're doing work for a corporation. It basically means they own everything. Right. Uh, they can own outtakes. They can own, and not just the photos they use. Um, but, however, I can be bought. Everything comes with a price. And yeah. if you are going to do work for hire for somebody big like Exxon or somebody like that, mm-hmm. then you better be getting paid for it. That's the trade-off. You know? That's sure, the trade-off I'll, I'll let them have right everything. there. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's your, especially when you did that job, you're starting out, you're trying to get exposure, you're, you know, you're taking some job for a stupid amount of money. I mean, that was the best. Uh, they should have worked with you a little bit on that. I, I think it's, was it a wedding? It was a wedding. Oh, yeah. God, and whatever. I've only done a couple of weddings. So, 
Um, I learned about that there. And <laughs> all think, I wanted, with, all was I really like wanted in the mysterious product that you were designing. Yeah, all I really <laughs> wanted in the end was to show, the, be able to show the pictures in my portfolio. You're and leaking all, company secrets on Flickr. Was said and done. I, I wasn't even able to. Show, he never even really told me which photos I could actually use on my website and all that. And it wasn't that big of a deal to me, but it was a big deal to him. I mean, he felt like I didn't. He didn't want me to be able to take any credit for any of the photos that I help take in a 12-hour day. It's just a bad scenario, but yeah, it's something I, I learned a huge lesson from. But you're right. Nowadays, um, or, or, or since I've even started my business, I always, whenever I shoot in my estimate, in my original proposal, and in the final contract that they sign, mm-hmm. I have in there that I own all the photography, and I am able to profit from it again if I need to, yep. or want to, or, and able to, to put it online in my portfolio. If they want to buy all the rights to where I'm not able to do that, that's probably fine. That rarely happens because they rarely need to do that. But not but for the same do, price. Yeah. Not for the same price at all. It's going to be for twice the price or more, sure. depending on the size of the company and the the uh, the time and everything that went into to shooting and post production and everything like that. It's going to be a it's going to be a big chunk because that's taking away. Um, that's taking away everything, even from me being able to show it in my portfolio. Absolutely. So yeah. that, you know, that, that's a lot that you're giving away. So, so they're going to have to pay for that, and that's the only way I would ever do that again. I think one other word of advice that I would dish out to people too, and it took me a long time to to learn this. Um, but you know, a lot of times you'll do, especially when you do corporate work, they'll have a contract that they want you to sign. They've got their thing, and. What don't, people don't understand sometimes, because I've seen, uh, I've done it once or twice when I, years ago when I was starting out. I've seen people do it too. They kind of flip out when something's not fair in there. But it's a negotiation. And usually people are totally cool when you go right back at them and say, look, I read your contract. Everything's fine. And then I tell them in English, this is what I need done. And there's wording in there that says otherwise. Um, and first you want to establish with them, is that cool? So for instance, I want to be able to use this work in my portfolio. It's how I get more jobs, more clients. It's part of my business. So right. I want to be able to shoot these or show these photos. Your thing says work for hire. You won't let me do that. This is what I want to be able to do. Is there any way to modify the contract with an addendum to do that? Nine times out of 10, they'll be, yeah, you know what? We'll we'll take it to the attorney and we'll, and we'll, we'll do it. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not a big deal, right? I mean, anything, and, just, and then just make, and, and then just make sure that it gets done. Yeah, just know? make sure it gets done. Don't 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 take their word for it. Oh, no need for contract. We're cool. That <laughs> we're cool doesn't go very far. So right, no, right? Because if you never hear back from them again or something, that's when things get you know get pretty ugly. Yeah, on both Pe- people who are cool have no problem renegotiating that contract and getting it right to their lawyer or whatever it has to be done. Uh, no. If they're telling you they're cool and they're not doing anything, they're not cool. It's not going to work. I've had uh, close friends and family both say, no, that's cool, and uh, things go bad. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I know. If, you know if, if, if it can go bad with friends and family, it can go bad with a corporation who doesn't care about you uh, at all. Um, so you well, just protect yourself and just be smart. It's just being smart, sure. getting the contract, getting people to sign it. It's just saying, okay, this is what we both agree to, and it, you know, if it is cool, then they're cool signing it. So uh, I think that's the, cool. the thing to remember. My dad told me this years ago: is people get funny when it comes to money, and uh, <laughs> but it's true. That's always like if it's a friend thing or a family thing or anything. Yeah. It's yeah. because there's money involved sometimes, or right. most often, you know. Yeah, money makes the world go round. You don't mess with people's pocketbooks. No, and you don't you don't mess with their financial well being. And it doesn't matter if you're their, your best friend or you know their cousin or whatever. If that's right, if 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 you mess around with somebody's money, 
um, that that relationship might be out the window. It might be funny. So, yeah, <laughs> it might be, it might get funny. <laughs> like get real funny. Well, we we've strayed off of the niche photography top for for totally, business I think stuff. we covered some good points. No, no, I'm I'm totally cool doing that. I think that's. Uh, we're going to stray a lot, people. Get yeah, ready. it's it's stuff that. Well, you know, it's. I, I feel like if we can get on here and talk about mistakes that people can avoid, a lot of times I think they're still going to have to learn it themselves if they don't yeah. really believe it. But, but uh, you know, maybe somebody finds it useful and it saves some headache down the road for someone. Exactly. But, uh, it's like it's like your parents telling you stuff when you were a teenager, and you're like, whatever. Yeah. And then you often and, and do that, and three divorces later, you're like. <laughs> But I should listen to them. <laughs> well, my tenth wife at twenty-two. What am I doing? Uh, I shouldn't have married at twelve. They were right. <laughs> yeah, I was too young. Oh my god! They were idiots. Well, so. you know, kind of wrangling this back around to the niche photography thing. Um, you know, we talked about the obvious ones, which you know, being weddings, portraits, things like that. Um, but then mm. there's some other things that you know, if you, you kind of keep it in line with with things you cannot buy stock photos for. I think you know, obviously, product photography is a big one. Mm. Um, there are people who, uh, it, again, this is a really interesting niche because it, it it can go one of two ways. There are people that do really artistic stuff with product shots. Um, you know, the the photographers who are going to work for an ad agency that does the iPhone or something like that. Right. Uh, they really want something different. Apple's known for that, um, and they're going to let you really come up with something creative. And then on the other end of that spectrum, I think you have things like catalog shots, uh, Neiman Marcus, uh, things like that, where it's going to be a little more assembly line. Um, mm-hmm. You know, photographers who work for museums kind of deal with this because it's product photography in a way. But basically, you have a uniform backdrop that you use on everything. It just needs to be consistent lighting, and, and you shoot and go. Uh, but some people have a better mindset for that. They're, they're more into ha- being able to just stay organized and keep a meticulous assembly line type environment and knock that out and save the client some money and everybody's happy. Sure. And uh, But anyway, pro- product photography, you can't go out and get stock for a new cell phone you're trying to introduce to the to the public. No, because you know? there's only one shot of that, and it's that it's that cell phone. And that's it. And we talked about this the first time, after right before we erased the whole podcast. But <laughs> well, we, we were saying exactly. <laughs> only my hat. <laughs> only your hat. I started thinking, I just think I want to leave Wade out of this deal. Uh, his <laughs> ego's bothering me. Had to bring me back in. He's a useless but, uh, postule. I'm through. <laughs> no, you're right. There are people who really enjoy, I think, the kind of job where they know what they're going to go do every day, which yep. is go into a place and, 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 and set up their, their routine there with their lighting and their table and, and take the product shots of whatever it is for Fossil or, or JCPenney or, or, or whatever. Or whatever. You know, their product might be and that's very rewarding to them and, and and they know what their job is every day and they do it and they get a paycheck for it and, and they like that routine there's those kind of people and then there's the other kind of people and i'm one of these other kind of people who that would be monotonous to me absolutely I'm, I'm kind of i get sidetracked um easily or i get bored easily and so I want to be, as a freelancer, it gives me more freedom to jump around and do these different kind of product things for different clients in different kind of ways, in different settings, in different styles. And, and that can be a whole lot of fun and, and keep it very fresh and exciting all the time. Yeah, um, I'm, so I'm, I'm cool. how you are on that. But there are people out there that that would drive them nuts. Is the, That the would drive them nuts because it would be, you know. Yeah, so, yeah the uncertainty, the inconsistency. Uh, and just kind of, uh, I don't know, just, yeah, they're just not built that way. They like the mainstream, 
you know cycle of things so you know you know um, i did a uh I, I had it was a weird project but anyway i had to get some photos recently from the dallas zoo and they have a photographer over there who who uh, this woman who does very very nice work and that was a weird uh kind of cross between the two because yeah she's doing animals and it is a little bit assembly line and it's predictable she knows what the lighting conditions are going to be she knows how to work within the environments that are that are there at the zoo but it did have a little freshness to it and her stuff was was absolutely fantastic too i was i was kind of jealous actually um yeah you would think that would that would be a little bit different because yeah it's a weird it's 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 always changing yeah absolutely it's not not something just sitting on a table yeah and they're live objects i mean they're animals you know and and those kinds if if you are interested in those kind of they're full-time employment that you can get it doesn't always pay a lot but but uh big companies like we were saying jc penny or neiman's that do a catalog they try to do it in-house so you could get a a full job with benefits and a nine-to-five routine with somebody like that which isn't half bad uh art museums are a good one uh the zoo obviously i mentioned any kind of institution that requires a lot of photography that's going to do it often enough to have it make more sense for them to hire somebody in-house to do it uh you know you can of course like we said you know a lot of times when you're working in-house the, the work is going to be a little more redundant um more assembly line like but that may match your personality and it's that's it, right and those aren't yeah. bad jobs to have and, yeah. and that woman probably started out shooting cats or dogs i bet you she did and and unless she was uh, wealthy or, or got to travel in africa a lot shooting safaris or something um yeah. but most likely working at the dallas zoo she probably started out shooting pets for a living which you know a few people do and that's kind of a niche market but it can lead to something like getting a full-time job at a major zoo in a major city and shooting uh you know more exotic animals all the time which can be very cool as well yeah i don't uh, know many people who have an african uh, elephant in their backyard that they can put together (laughs) a free portfolio with (laughs) yeah yeah, no, that would be kind of exciting. And see, that's the kind of stuff you don't really think about with photography all the time. Is yeah. a lot of these in-house places like zoos or SeaWorld or, or, or any other kind of place like that, uh, air, uh, air, airline places that build engines and airplanes and sure. things like this. There's photographers that work on staff there and only shoot airplanes and, and things like this, you know. And they've, they've, they've gotten into these little tiny niches that can be very cool, especially if that's what you're into, you know. If, if you're really if, if you're really into to aerial stuff or underwater stuff or, or whatever and you can and you can get into that niche which you can if you have the drive and and that's what you're really marketing and focusing on all the time you can definitely make your way there yeah i, which is, I think i mentioned this in the podcast that got deleted but i have a friend who uh recently got a job with heritage auction galleries and uh-huh. uh, he said i saw him the other night again and he said they employ a ton of photographers and you know they've got offices in dallas and i think maybe los angeles and atlanta or something like that uh and he said it's weird because it is very assembly line and that wasn't his nature but he said at the same time though you get some quirky stuff come through his first job he was shooting frank sinatra's toupee and he said then there was also like that came with it was this big jar of hair he said it was the strangest auction <laughs> thing you'd ever see there's another one that was a lucio ball they had a whole bunch of wigs that they had from mgm or somebody that they were auctioning off and and but you yeah, know hair is big in those auctions i, saw I don't get it today elvis's hair for sale and it was in a jar that's weird, man. He shaved off Elvis's hair and put it in the jar. Who I wants it? <laughs> some Elvis fans are going to pay a lot of money. For I Elvis's guess thing. it's so weird. It is weird. I'm not, you know, we don't want to insult these people, but you are weird. Is our hair worth anything? Because <laughs> we could, we don't have any my, advertising on the uh, on the podcast, but we could sell our hair. You know, I don't even like my own hair half the time, so I'm sure someone else isn't going to buy it. <laughs> you don't have locks of love, is it? <laughs> 
No, uh, I haven't done my. that yet. Well, but, it, but yeah, uh, strange and, things. And we just quickly wanted to cover some other uh, quickly. Both sure. of us started out as fine art artists and still are mm-hmm. to this day and always will be. Um, whether uh, we go, we, uh, whether we do corporate stuff for people uh, or whatever our photography, you know, uh, turns into, we're at heart fine art photographers, and that's what we really love to do. And, and and hopefully we will always do that because that's what will keep us enjoying this profession and fresh and everything else. No matter what you're shooting corporate or how much you're working, you should still always be going back to doing fine art photography and um, in whatever genre that is. You like to shoot a lot of black and white um, vintage square images yep. and, and, and be experimental in that range. And um, Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, God, it would almost be worth doing a whole podcast. Maybe we can do that soon yeah. uh, on personal projects. But they're so important uh, on many levels. One, if you're a creative person, a lot of times, you know, when you're actually doing jobs – uh, the work isn't that creative, uh, or sometimes you have a demanding client who has something very specific in mind they want, and and so one, it can be a creative outlet for you. And I think the other thing too is is a little more practical standpoint. And I've always felt this way, and I do this with video and uh, the still photography as well. But mm-hmm. it's like a lot of times when somebody's hiring me, I, I've got to be a professional. I've got to know what I'm doing on the job, which means I need to have done it before at some point, and. Doing personal projects can give you that kind of platform to uh, – it was quite, a, quite an alliteration. But anyway, they give you a platform to go ahead and be experimental and try things. And let's say I'm going to do some green screen king. Well, let's do a personal project right? so I, I can get some experience, have done it. Um, right. You know, and like we were saying before, too, when you're starting out and you don't have a portfolio, you need to have something. And mm-hmm. so if it's architecture you want to go do, it makes sense to go shoot some architecture. And one of the things I really wanted to do on a number of challenge levels, but, uh, you know, you're talking about square format, black and white stuff. Is I wanted to do some film. Um, I wanted to be able to manipulate development time, so it needed to be film. But I wanted to do some night photography that was black and white. And so I kind of went through a phase, and I'd love to do it again if I could get some time, but of doing these kind of nocturnal, you know, night lit scenes of. Uh, Long exposure. Yeah, oh yeah, longer the better. You know, it's a macho thing. But um, yeah, that, that was a gorgeous series that you um, got quite a. You did that for a few weeks or months or whatever. Uh, yeah, I did for a while, and then I, I, I picked it back up a few times. Last time I was in London, um, I, you know, being from the U.S., I guess it's kind of cool to want to do. But but I wanted to shoot the Tower of London. I wanted to shoot uh, Financial District. I wanted to shoot some things that were old enough that you don't see here. The um, the power station that's the, you know from the Pink Floyd cover. And, and but yeah. to do my style of night photography with those, and 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 it worked. And what's cool is like you know. Not everything worked on that particular England trip, but I had done it enough times to where I came back and I had good results. There were some weird variables. It was pouring down rain and things like that, and I think that had I not had experience doing it before, I probably would have been a little flustered on it, but... Um but I got some stuff. But and, but and that's, that's, you know sometimes even unknown elements like that can can really you can discover something that's super cool. Oh, absolutely. Ever like wow, I, I didn't know it was going to create this kind of visual, you know, and it did or, or whatever. So even experimenting in conditions like that where you might normally give up, you kind of still shoot through it and see what happens. You know, oh, that's absolutely. what a fine artist is all about is just experimenting. Well, and an interesting thing, too, is I've, I've actually made a lot of money off those not up front. And I think sometimes that's the difference between fine art and commercial art. In commercial art, you know what you're getting paid, and then you do the job. In fine art, you do the job, and then you figure out what's worth. But, but uh, I've sold a lot of prints of places, especially places in Dallas, and it's amazing 
that when people buy them, they have an emotional association with a location you've shot nine times out of ten, and that yes. enough to where they were willing to drop 150, 200 bucks for a print or more, and uh, it's it's pretty interesting. I think on the commercial side, I think you've had a lot of success with that too. Because remember when you were doing a lot of the, like the um, abandoned motels and right. that kind of series, and, and which led to led to other work, you know, mm-hmm. led to like a lot of my architectural work because they were shots of buildings and things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah exactly. That, but that's where my fine art side comes in. I love to travel. I love to go to desolate parts of West Texas or anywhere and find old abandoned buildings and things like this, uh, things that are kind of nostalgic, that have a vintage feel to them, things that you don't see nowadays, signage that you don't see nowadays, or certain types of architecture in hotels or motels, really, mm-hmm. that you don't see anymore. So I, I would, sh- I, I shot a lot of that in the beginning. I still try to shoot that whenever I travel or whenever I'm, I'm somewhere. I've even shot about a lot of that locally here in, in Gar- around Dallas in, in a suburb, Garland, Texas, or any kind of place around here that still have old you know motels or old theaters right. i love shooting that kind of thing and uh people do really have a, a strong connection to that whether they're seeing it online on Flickr or on my website they might send me an email uh you know saying how much they love that or even tell me a story about when they were growing up and they were in this garland parking lot that has this cool sign you know that's just an abandoned lot now or whatever yeah, they or remember they, the stuff yeah buy, or when they went to this uh this motel that you know has cost uh, $19 a night for the, the, <laughs> the, the whole lifespan of the hotel when, when they went on their honeymoon there before it was just all prostitutes and crap <laughs> They actually uh, got they married really, before I they went hear there. these stories. And then even when I travel and take pictures of places or whatever, you know, somebody will see the Bean in Chicago or, or uh, certain buildings in San Francisco and, and, and go into telling me a story, either in person if I'm at a, like an art show or you know, if they send me an email. And, I'm, and that's kind of the cooler stuff about photography altogether is it like you're, you're striking up a memory in, in somebody. Absolutely. And, um, and that's why some people will buy your stuff sometimes too, especially fine art collectors or even someone for their home. And it's just like they want that memory forever, you know, and, and that's something you've captured. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you say that too because I, I think that on a level that sometimes like what makes people interested in something that's art or more specifically enough to want to spend money on that and, and own it. And a lot of times it's not just because it's something that looked cool. It's something that there's a slightly deeper attachment to on some level. And I think that, I mean, you know, having worked at the museum and, and having known art collectors that, that do big stuff. I mean, there's always a reason why somebody was attached to what it is that they're attached to. It wasn't just they threw away, you know, a huge glob of money because it looked cool, you know. Uh, there certainly is the aesthetic, and I think that's uh, pleasing to people, too. But uh, it has, yeah. I think photography has to go beyond that and do something, particularly if you're wanting a check to be signed, whether it's uh, an individual that wants the photo for their house or whether it's a corporation who wants it for their next catalog or, or you know, what have you. There has to be something they see there. And, uh, you know, you're talking about the motel stuff. Um, I remember specifically, well, I remember the movie. It was Iron Man 1. And uh, <laughs> I went to the studio movie grill. And I get there, and I'm like, well, screw me. Look at this. Wade's photos. Are, you had a little show up there that was right, going on. Yeah. And, done yeah, it was cool. Um, but that led to some more work, which led to more work, which, you know, one thing always leads to another. And it's, but you got to get out there and do it. I think that's the most, most important thing. That to was take something away else that. that, once again, I didn't get paid on, but we made a fair trade. Yeah. Movie tickets I, for Studio Movie Grill. We'll take a bunch of pictures for them. I got a bunch of movie tickets. Ah, exactly. sweet! <laughs> no, I did get movie tickets, but I also got they ran that that preview of mine of my yep. photography with WadeGriffith.net or whatever. It was WadeGriffith.net then. Now 
photography.com now. But at the very end, there was my, my URL really big after it showed yep. a bunch of my, my pictures, and that ran for a year. And that yeah. was the trade. That, you know, if I would have had to pay for that, that would have been a lot. Dude, that was a sweet Funny. advertisement. Too. Yeah, basically, what it was is, and I remember seeing it before that movie, you go in, you sit down, and you know, before the previews start, and they've just got stuff on the screen. And it's usually awful. It's like, you know, uh, Dr. Joe Brown, the dentist, and <laughs> you know, you see the little kid in there getting a tooth yanked. It, it, it's awful. And then you go in there, it was a slideshow of Wade's, and then basically a card came up with his contact info. And yeah, it, it's yeah. brilliant, you know. Somebody needs a photographer, they it might be something a little more artistic than all cheesy stuff you usually see. Yeah. 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 Smiley yeah. dentistry or whatever. Or the awful <laughs> movie his yeah, movie trivia, you know. Who <laughs> played Luke Skywalker in Star Wars? Oh. So that I was wonder. that was a good trade. That was once again a time that maybe you know you didn't get paid money, but it, it you know, you got clients or something in the end. So yeah. it came out it came out to work for you. Yeah. Somebody uh, told me once there's there's a kind of way that you think about that. There there are three reasons why you would do a job. One is there's money involved and that's not the only thing. Uh but you know, the three are there's either money involved, there's experience involved. I can't remember what the third is, but but there's I think it's important to take away is that they're they're more. I mean, if, if somebody can't afford something and they legitimately can't afford it, like the right. movie theater, for instance, they just don't have a budget for that kind of a thing. Uh, there may be a trade out that you can do there and there's something else you can get that's not financial compensation. And sometimes you need to weigh uh, whether it's important to do that. I, I've made the mistake several times in my career of doing too much of that. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I've got all this work that's like taking up all my time and I'm not getting paid for any of it. But, um, and that can be bad. Yeah, yeah, it's just because I did too much of it. I mean, there were other things I was <laughs> right. getting out of it. Yeah, either either notoriety or uh, you know an advertisement or something like that, or it was something I wanted to do. Or, you know, there's some there was a reason I was doing it. Um, but yeah, if you string too many of those up, you kind of got to budget yourself on that. Um, and what's cool about that also is that that. Um, that movie theater has come back to me with two or three projects since then that they paid me for. That's it was awesome. almost like our first time was a trial run. I yep. got cool stuff out of it. They got cool stuff out of it. I even got to hang some of my work in their lobby for about a year. And so the people were seeing my stuff in the lobby. Then they were going to the theater and they were seeing myself, my stuff on the screen again. But then after that, um, you know, we did a we did a couple of different shoots where they just said, "Okay, Wade, you know, let's let's pay you for it." What it yeah. what, and, you know, I gave them estimates, thing like so, it can turn into something else. It can turn into to a paying job, which is why you want to, a lot of times do things maybe the first time for free with something like I'm very I love music. You love music, sure. Most. most People love music. Um, I would love to shoot more music, live music. I would love to shoot musicians. I would love to shoot more of this thing. This is something I would like to go towards. So when a friend of mine, Dylan Sneed, was recording his new album in South Carolina, um, I knew he didn't have a big budget. He was raising he was raising money for the entire album on Kickstarter.com, which is a fundraising cool. website. And he had raised the money for everything. He did it? there and I said can I you don't even have to pay me both for my portfolio and for you since you're a cool dude and I love your music and for the experience of getting to do this and starting a portfolio in the music realm can I come to South Carolina on my own dime and shoot you guys for three days while you're recording in this 100 year old cabin of a home in the middle of nowhere in South Carolina just sounded totally cool me all the way around. That's Plus, awesome. uh, he's not only a good friend of mine, another good friend of mine, Jeff Rogers, who lives in New York, is a drummer, and he was going to be a drummer on the thing. And it was I, it was so cool to get to see the behind the scenes of making of an album like that. And for three days, I just got to shoot away um, at, at just watching them. They finally, at first, you know, they were, they really noticed I was there, and it, you could tell that. And then, but sure. I went, I, I finally vanished. And was just the guy that was 
floating around the room with a camera all the time, and that was super cool. And got all these amazing images that you know I would have never gotten otherwise had I not asked could I could I come down there and do that myself. And you know whether that pans out to be something I can do or not in the future, if another band or something ever comes along, I have that in my book now. Absolutely, you know, yeah, that's something I've done, and that's what to do sometimes to get yourself into a certain genre uh, or a certain yeah certain niche of photography yeah you know and uh, like we were saying with well i mean that could very well turn into something but like even the movie theater that did turn into something it's like i think a lot of times you have to well you have to establish trust with people especially if you're going to do something that's going to and what we do obviously is not super cheap and uh you know it's significant enough even when you are working cheaply uh but uh you know for somebody to sign that check and and get a sign off on that sometimes Sometimes there's a trust issue that, that has to be built there. And if you are just trying to spend your time getting search engine results so you come up number one, first of all, I don't think people Google when they're about to spend $5,000 or more on a project. No. Mm-hmm. And particularly forty grand on a project. They're definitely not going to do that. Um, you know, and, and it, I, people generally don't make desperate moves like that, too. Like, oh, my God, we've got to have the photographer here tomorrow. Start calling people. Let's call the first person. I mean, I've seen that happen, but that rarely happens, too. And, and that would be a bad move. That would be a bad management be move. be a bad move, and it always is, and I've seen it happen places I've worked even. Um, but what, what does work out well is when somebody knows the project's coming up and they, they have somebody in mind that they want to shoot it. That's, mm-hmm. But you have to get there, and that requires trust. It requires establishment of a friendship, and it's hard to do when there's no money being involved because, you know, you've got to pay your bills and stuff. But like you did with the theater. I mean, I think that's a prime example of that where you're able to do something that's fair for everybody. It's kind of fun. And, uh, you know, it just evolves somewhere over that's time. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, usually it's with, with larger companies, agencies and things like this or whatever, it's going to be word of mouth or uh, they've seen your work before. I do a lot of email blasts that lead back to my website. Right. I try to do those at least once a month, maybe maybe a couple times a month. Um, but it, it's going to be something they've seen before or they know about in some way, or word of mouth is huge with, with the photography community still, even with everything out there. And then you've got to have a great portfolio. So yeah. whether you've shot stuff for free or you've shot it for money, it doesn't matter when they're looking at your portfolio. If the work's good, it's good. Yeah. And if, if they need you for something and you've shot that before and your photos look great, they, you have a good chance of being hired. Usually these agencies will... will Sometimes they'll just come to you and ask you for an estimate, but usually they try to get an estimate from about three different photographers, and then it's a it's a balance of uh, the 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 work you know and how good it is versus their budget. Yeah, and um, it doesn't mean they go with the cheapest, but it also no. I mean they, they factor both in is what they do. They and factor that's both in. Yeah. yeah, like I would love to start shooting in the future um, a lot more product than I do now, and a lot more food. And specifically than I do now. So what my plan is in the next year is in in my downtime, which uh, you have as a freelancer, you have your super busy times and then you have your times where you're wondering when work's going to ever come in again. Uh, In that time, I'm going to try to start shooting a lot more product and food on my own. Uh, and, and getting better and better at that and putting sure. that on my portfolio so that when it does come around and when there are searches going on for that or, or word of mouth type thing that people will say, look at his stuff, it's pretty cool. But then, you know, that's not going to happen. I, I just can't, you just can't do something that, with someone and be paid for it if you've never done it before. That's all. Uh, no, you're right. Well, and that's where personal projects, again, they come back in. But you're right. You've got to start that stuff early enough out. And that's the, if, if you need to have a food job next week, I mean, you know that you've got to start that now, hoping that over time you'll eventually get there. And, yeah, uh, exactly. And I think that was one maybe brings to one of our last points that we want to sure. talk about a little bit was architecture. Because yep. we both, I shoot a lot of architecture now, which started out as fine art. Then I had a few friends in, in corporate real estate 
um, that said, Wade, you shoot these old abandoned buildings and stuff all the time, and you make them look great. I bet you could make our multi-million dollar skyscraper look pretty good, too, <laughs> if you could make that old junker of a motel look good. And I said, um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, uh, sure, yeah. Mr. Waker. <laughs> One of the first things I did is I was an art director at the time, so I went out on location with an architectural photographer that I had hired. I spent the entire day with him, and I asked him if, while I art directed all day, if I could bring my tripod and camera and shoot images as well. I think I remember that. Was that the uh, Meyerson thing you did? No, well, um, I've done that, too, just on my own. Oh, okay, but this was the Renaissance Tower. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had already done the logo for them and a whole identity package as a graphic designer. Now we were going to design a brochure for them that needed photographs. So I hired a photographer that was a friend of mine. And since we were such close friends and he knew that I loved photography, he said, yeah, man, sure. I mean, you're the art director. You're paying me. Come on out. If you want to bring your camera and tripod, that's your deal. That's cool. And that's I spent cool. Sunrise to sunset with him shooting all day and that was my first architectural photography project but it got me like 10 cool pictures it's like private really? lesson man that's awesome yeah, it was a private lesson and it was a, it got me cool pictures in my portfolio that i then started using that just to 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 get more architectural jobs i think i went to um some architectural companies and some builder companies in town then with only those pictures and a few other pictures like the myerson and stuff that i'd shot on my own before i was run off by security and um <laughs> get out of here now that's that is a podcast topic and i, I it burns yes. me out man i'm so tired of that and i deal with it at my job and i work there you know but we do run Oh yeah, we we no, we run or, fast. Or we fight them and we still lose. Usually, in the police show up or whatever. But yeah, well, let's do a whole podcast on that and how unfair that is. Yeah, I'll, I'll show my shot and tell my story about the Federal Reserve when when I yeah. <laughs> And snuck in with uh, I didn't sneak in, but I, I pointed my uh, well. I had a spot meter, and I pointed the meter at the building because it was a night shot. And boy, those guards descended upon me. It yeah, was, you looked uh, like the Paris with some kind of laser scope. I wasn't even on their property, dude. I was on the highway service thing. And you know, anyway, that's another no, story of the day. Top, and that's one a lot of people have a lot of opinions about. So I'm sure we'll get some oh, some yeah. good feedback on that. But even you now, you don't shoot a lot of architectural architectural stuff professionally, but you shoot it all the time uh, for your own portfolio for fine art means which i'm sure could lead to a a million other opportunities in the future and that's because you really do love shooting that you love just like i do looking at buildings and and photographing them and some people would wonder why it's just a building but we love architecture well i mean i'm sure it's similar for you but i mean for me it's like you're trying to find an interesting way of looking at that that somebody else hadn't thought of looking at it that way before it's better basically i mean it's a little cliche to say but that's exactly why i do it um you know and for me the nighttime thing was a big deal um at one point first of all that was a challenge just because you know if you consider dynamic range on cameras particularly digital because it is pretty shallow um you have to do something like hdr something to get a larger dynamic range in film you can expand it uh depending on development times and things like that but i think night shots of of architecture is the hardest for me because it's lit and so Mm -hmm. you have these these strong lights and then you have these really dark shadows and getting all that to show up in the picture is really a challenge Uh, and when you can do it it's really beautiful usually it's easy to do to get the shadows but then the highlights start blowing out and you always have to have that a little bit but uh but that's that's particularly the challenge there i mean that's why that golden hour is really such a golden hour oh yeah it's because you're having great light still in the sky that's usually um full colors of different shades because the sun is setting and putting all these rays and then colors into the sky your building is just now the lights are coming on on the building and right. so you've got a nice mixture of uh, it's not too harsh of a contrast yet but it's already starting to look like night 
and especially if you're shooting this stuff raw, you can easily take it. Uh, uh, and with your white house settings, you can make this stuff look a little bit more nighttime, oh, yeah, a little sure. bit more daytime. You know, I've set stuff. Uh, I just changed stuff on my white balance and all this stuff. Everything's on really blue. And mm-hmm. you're like, wow, that's it right there. But it looks like you took it two hours later. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. actually did. And it looks, it, it, and not because so much because it's darker, it's because that's the tone of the sky at that time before it goes black. Yeah. You know, and you can and, change um, that up. It's pretty, pretty can, awesome. Yeah, but that is that, that is really a, to shoot buildings. To, if you're starting out shooting architecture, all just start shooting buildings at sunrise, right after the sun has come up, and right when the sun is setting. And if if you have a thirty minute gap there, about an hour gap there. Um, to, to shoot in, uh, that that's really the time to, to start really practicing on shooting buildings and getting some some great looking stuff. Yeah, and I think the next step to that, yeah, do those, and then the other thing is don't be afraid to go back. And I think that's another challenge of doing uh, certain times of, of um, well, they're kind of like landscapes in that sense, even though they're urban. But uh, you know, is getting at the right time of the day. Sometimes you might have more interesting light because a rainstorm is flowing through or something like that, and so it's uh, uh, you know there's yeah. Places that I've shot and reshot several times, and finally got something I was really happy with. There's other things that I shot once, and I thought, "Well, I can do it again, and I'll do it better." And then you never as good, and uh, so it just kind of goes both ways. But I think yeah, you're another- right. The wet. Oh, go ahead. The weather is a huge thing. The clouds. You bet. Um, you know, clouds and photos. A lot of times, people don't want that look, or they, if a rainstorm's coming through, they automatically just back out of the shoot because they think that could be bad. Um, and in a lot of uh, stuff that you'll see, like an architectural digest and stuff, the sky is very uh, just blue or plain or whatever. But if you're shooting for kind of a more artistic means, and a lot of people appreciate this, if you can shoot on a cloudy or stormy or rainy day, that can be something that can turn out looking way cooler than if you had a cloudless sky. Oh, totally. You know, especially when you're shooting like black and white stuff or something that's really contrasty. Yeah, um, for me, the black and white at night was always, uh, if I could get, and it's hard to, especially in the summer when the the weather's nice enough to do it because it's cold in the winter but uh but the, the optimum sky you want a full moon because you get more light and then you also want clouds but you need a little bit of wind so they're moving so that way when i do a 20 second uh, long exposure or even a minute i've got motion in the clouds and that's what you're right. looking for and it's hard to get um yeah that, especially that when a, they take five minutes <laughs> to shoot the that's picture. a super cool look is to have that these long time lapse stuff and, and there's some photographer on Flickr and uh he does shoots all pinhole, and mm-hmm. it's, it's black and white, and it's really distorted, which is all against, you know, like, basic architectural stuff where, all, you know, you don't want any kind of um, converging lines or anything. But his lines are beyond converging mm. uh, <laughs> yeah. to where it looks like the building is falling down backwards, and, and, and it's super long exposures. And uh, so you have these skies that the clouds are just, you know, just scraping across. Yeah. And it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. And here he is photographing this with film uh, that hasn't been around in a while or that people are not using anymore and a box. Yeah, that's it. No lens. <laughs> no lens. And he's getting some of the most amazing pho- photography that, you know, that I've seen in a long time. So I think we mentioned that last time, but since people never heard it, go on Flickr, look up nighttime pinhole architectural photography stuff like that or whatever yeah and then um go to there's you have like relevant most recent go to most interesting it's like stuff that people have commented on and, and yeah and who you're talking about he comes right up when you do that too um, yeah and, and you'll see a ton of maybe not only his work but people are doing the same kind of thing and it's it's really super cool and something that if you're just starting in on this kind of thing that it can be a, a great uh starting point yeah i think so 
Yeah, it's. It, I'll tell you what. That that's manly when you're when you're taking forty five minute long exposures on things. It's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's a long time to wait around. Oh and maybe, man! Maybe you can just hide your camera and, and go off. Uh, a drink or something and then come back yeah depending on where that is <laughs> your camera may be there when you return who knows well cool well uh i think that's kind of wrapping us up for today we probably should uh you know get to some picks of the week um, okay that sounds good are you up for the pick of the week do you want me I to go first or do you want to go, yeah, first? go first all right i'm gonna go first um my pick of the week today is actually a film that uh, I knew very little about, um, but looked interesting. And I can't remember, sorry, I'm pulling this up right now, <clears throat> the name of the studio who did these. They did a number of art films. Uh, they're all documentaries on various things. They did one on Henri Cartier-Bresson, and they also did one on a guy I was less familiar with, um, other than that he did architectural work, uh, named Julius Schulman. And the movie is actually called Visual Acoustics, The Modernism of Julius Schulman. It was done when he was, uh, I assume he's still alive. I'm not certain i could look that up while we're talking uh he's very elderly in the film uh but uh no he he died in 09 um unfortunately uh but uh kind of unknown in the rock star photography realm but uh julius schulman uh got in really tight with uh richard neutra and frank lloyd wright and a lot of these guys that were the heavy modernist uh architects of the uh, 50s and 60s um that really revolutionized a whole school of architecture and he got in with these guys and photographed the hell out of their work uh, a lot of the famous homes in los angeles um you know in the 50s when that was kind of being built up that are really modernist and uh it does absolutely beautiful work and what's cool is it's is as much of an architectural film as it is a photography film and the significance and why i think that's important um if I had known that going in, I might not have been interested enough to watch it right then and there this weekend, but um, but it, enough approached me where I did. But you get in there and you realize that, uh, and I think this is hard to do with clients and or anybody you're shooting an image for, be it your family or uh, a paying client or something like that. But kind of going in with, well, I'm the photographer. Why are they telling me this? But but he points out constantly in the film what he was learning from these heavy hitter architects. That they would say, okay, you're lighting it like this, and that's the textbook photography way of doing it. But look at my building. I don't mean it to be like that. It's darker in this corner of the room than it is over here. And, you know, to really pay attention to those nuances. The guy has no ego and, you know, just like let himself go with that. And just an unbelievable body of work. And if you're into post or postmodern, if you're into modernist architecture at all uh, from that era, it's it's unbelievable. They they talk with some of these people's kids, you know, in Neutra's dead, and and so is Frank Lloyd Wright. But anyway, they talk of descendants of people who knew them. They they do things like where they would go uh, to locations where these famous photos were shot, like it, it was a home or something like that. They go back like today with with Schulman, and they pull out the photos, and he talks you through what he was doing, and as if you're there, and he's making the photo. It, it brilliant stuff, absolutely wonderful and and if you're not familiar with uh, julius schulman go look him up he's a fantastic photographer but the uh the name of that film was um uh i've already forgotten it um the, the visual acoustics visual acoustics thank you because i'm looking at two web pages here and <laughs> could not remember but anyway it's the uh, photography or the modernism of julius schulman so that is yeah, my very pick cool. of the week. that is something i have not seen i think that uh, I recognize that title, the visual acoustics, and I think that's because it's in my Netflix queue, probably on, on, on my television. But I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, so I watched it I'm, streaming on Netflix, so it's easy to find. You can also buy it on iTunes or on Amazon if you want the DVD. But definitely right, so you worth can just watch it right there on your computer. Yeah, so I just stream it. So 
Yeah, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that tonight. That's that sounds super cool. Yeah, it's love- it's a must. It's, it is so fantastic. The other thing that you know, I can't keep going on enough about this, but the, the other thing that's really cool is uh, Trollenbeck and Associates. I think that's how you say them. They did the motion graphics. It's a really well produced documentary. It's not just talking heads the whole time. It's yeah. like beautifully filmed. The motion graphics are incredible. These little segues where they have to give you some historical data on Frank Lloyd Wright and the Vosmuth portfolio and how that influenced uh, Richard Neutra and all these people. Uh, they do it in a very almost Monty Python way with these little cutouts of uh, collage type uh, animated things. It, it, it's cool. absolutely stunningly filmed and shot and highly recommended. So Yeah, just a really artistic film and I love that. And there's not a whole lot out there all the time no. that are on that are great like architectural or photography or a graphic design related film. So when you get one like this, it's like a real gem. You got to jump on it. Yeah, if you've seen, uh, well, the closest thing I think of as far as design goes are the, uh, I can't think of the guy's name right now, but the guy who did Objectified and Helvetica and those. Yeah. They're, they're maybe not as, um, they're definitely as well done as those. I think that guy's going to hit a younger crowd with those, so they're definitely a little more rock and roll than this one is, but uh, but it's still highly recommended and it's yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, those film. are great films as well. Yeah. If you're into design at all, which I'm yeah. sure you are if you're into photography. Okay, uh, very cool, Ted. My cool. pick of the day is a website that I just came across a few days ago, and there's not a whole lot to it yet, but I think that as time goes on, it's a blog that just started, and as time goes on, is going to only get better and better, and it's super interesting to me and to almost anybody else out there who loves learning about lighting or anything like that. And Got me it's called It's called guessthelighting.com. And um, hmm. right now, let's see, there's like one, two... Is it like a behind-the-scenes kind of approach or something? Or, yeah. Or? Five, six, you know, maybe t- ten different photos, and then uh, uh, that are that are famous uh, photography photos on huh. there right now that you probably see when you go to the bookstore on these large, um, you know, photography books that are you know coffee table books or whatever. Right. So stuff that you're familiar with and that you are just brilliant photographs, and then below that are sketches of how they were lit. Wow. And some have one or two lights but maybe you know some might have 10 lights and then on top of that you have all kinds of reflectors and things like that or whatever but they're like they're little pin doodles of how the model was and then how the light and then below that is is a lighting description of the camera that was used the lighting that was used and then any just like additional comments well now are they the bloggers shots or are they are they famous photographs that he's famous photographs like like the one that uh that was the uh the ring light photographs of all the famous people recently. The, the, I think the cover is Clint Eastwood, hmm. but um, inside it's all black and white close-ups of of famous actors and musicians and, and artists and different things or whatever. And and so it shows the lighting setup for that and how uh, two lights were kicker lights were set behind his behind their head to give off you know uh, a backlighting and then they, it was shot with a ring light on the camera in front of them to bring out every pore and. You know every, awesome. every detail in their face, and so it shows you. You know when you want to. Even when we shot our our biopics the other day, that was I hadn't seen this yet. But I was trying to. I, I was thinking in my own head. I'd seen that book. I thought I kind of want to do our biopics on our about page in some kind of similar way, something that really brings out all the characteristics of our face and everything, and you know, not something where we're flawless. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, yeah. Kind of dramatically lit and black and white and every kind of thing. And so when I saw this again right afterwards, I was like, oh wow, cool. Here is the actual description of oh. how those photos were shot. And so there's a lot of stuff like that, and it's it's very cool, and it helps you uh, learn how to light better and become a better photographer in that way. So. Um, and, yeah, and that's it really, awesome. 
Yeah, and it helps you simplify. Like you see these amazing photographs, and you just think, well, you know, maybe you think I, I could never photograph something that cool. That's just that's just amazing stuff. And then you see how simply it's lit. What, what's the name of the site again? Guess the lighting. I'm going com. to it now. Yeah, you see how simply something's lit, and with a you know maybe you're not shooting it with a with a Hasselblad like they are or whatever, but who cares? You're still going to get an amazing photograph, and maybe you don't can't afford the lighting that they're actually using the name brand lighting, but you can you can get some lighting that's very similar. Bookmarked, uh, awesome, dude. This is cool. It's very cool. So, and I think this is a blog that's just going to become. I mean, every every so so many days, he's adding a new photo and then a new description and everything. So, um, yeah, you got everything on here from top models to Annie Leibovitz to to you know to Lady Gaga. So, well, uh, I'll tell you this too. I mean, what's another thing? Even if he doesn't update this weekly, it's nice to see quality over quantity. I don't need to see. Yeah, exactly. Great. Yeah, and that's got just, I don't know if I came across that, but I, um, I think it was on that other site that I've plugged before, uni.com. He's real into photography, and I think that was on his site. Yeah, he's got the Gregory Crudes and the girl and the flowers and, that are in the living room or the dining yes. room. Yeah, it's a it's really cool, cool shot. And it shows you how that was lit. And um, a lot of times you can look at a photograph and kind of see how it was lit, but then other times you're missing out just on little um, you know, tiny lights that maybe were just kind of rim lights on the hair or things that just, you know, made it a little bit better photograph than huh. it could have been. And um, so that that's kind of cool. Wow, awesome recommendation. Yeah, yeah. This is, I, I can't quit looking at. It. Yeah, there's the Leibowitz, the Tinkerbell. <laughs> we're, we're still doing a show, Ted. Oh, huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's this internet? It's well, blowing man, me away. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Great pick. I'm, it totally, well, it's already yeah. bookmarked. I'm gonna... Yeah, and yours was too. I'm going to watch that movie tonight. And I think this was cool that we did this again. We were planning on kind of trying to repeat what we had done on the broadcast that we lost. Right. But I think this was a totally different show. And um, we yeah. still it, still covered a lot of the same basis. But um, uh, I'm glad that we kind of went off in a different direction too and covered a lot of things that we hadn't talked about before. It's the show so. that keeps on showing. It is. The, that's going to be our tagline. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> the photography show. Know, nobody will know what that means at all. It's so that's, funny. We have the most generic white label, the photography show. The show keeps on showing. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the photography show. Until it doesn't anymore. Guess what we're going to show you today. Yeah, which is odd that there's no visuals. It's an audio <laughs> podcast, but, you know, hey, whatever. Yeah, the show that doesn't really show you anything. Yeah, the show that ironically shows you nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's the Nihilist show. It's the show that's not. I like it. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Well, cool. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been The Photography Show. 